Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. Good morning, crypto. Good morning, warriors. Hello and welcome back to another episode of your favorite crypto news channel, Good Morning Crypto, where we bring you the most relevant and impactful crypto-related topics from some of the top crypto researchers in the world. I'm your host, Abs, joined by several members of our 3T family this morning. We got the Italian stallion, Mr. Johnny Crypto. Mario, also known as the Node Defender, is joining us. And Johnny, you see he copied the sleeveless this morning. And we got a very special guest, Crypto Airy. I wrote down an introduction, but everybody knows who you are. So I just want to say thank you for making time for us. We're always excited to have you on. Today on Good Morning Crypto, we'll be discussing how Bitcoin ETF applications are closer, inching closer to the finish line at the SEC unlocking massive amounts of capital for the world's largest cryptocurrency. Could this mark the beginning of our next crypto cycle? The NASDAQ announced that they will be halting the launch of their crypto custody service as Ripple doubles down on the ruling from Judge Torres, telling the community that this could open the floodgates for American banks. And with the SEC losing their case against XRP being an alleged security last week, we break down the details, showing our community how global institutions are finally moving into crypto. Our show is available on your favorite podcast platforms like Spotify and Apple Music. And for those of you listening via podcast, our show is live on YouTube Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern at the 3T Warrior Academy channel. So Johnny Crypto, it's a very special day because we got Crypto Area in the building, but also our listeners are going to see the Merlin applications. That's very exciting as well. How are you feeling, my friend? And thank you for being here. Abs, my favorite part of the intro is when you say, we are live. I love that part. It gets me excited every single time. Good morning to all the war maniacs out there. We love you. Appreciate you. What a special day. We've got Crypto Area here. Thank you for staying up. It's midnight. You can see she's in the dark over there. Great to see you. And Mario, I love that shirt. Where can I get one of those? That is fantastic. Mario, there's a lot going on today. We got XRP news, but also Ethereum whales are dumping on the platform who knows what they do? We're going to discuss it later on. But what, first of all, how are you feeling? Thank you for being here. I'm feeling awesome, man. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everybody in chat. Good morning, Abs, Johnny, Ari. Super excited to be here. Uh, can't get wait to get into it. And Johnny, I'm waiting on you, man. I'm sure that people want these things, but now the ball is on your court. So let them know how they can get it soon. Absolutely, guys. And this is not a Merlin commercial. We're just talking here. But Crypto Ari, first of all, thank you for making time for us this morning. There are so many rumors going around in the XRP community. We're going to break a lot of them down for our listeners. But first of all, how are you feeling? And thank you for being here. Yeah, it's it's really going well. And uh, it's nice to be with No Defender. And Johnny, it's great to see you again. And Abs, you are just a bundle of energy that, as usual. It's my midnight, but I feel fantastic. And I can't wait to dive into the topics. 
Thank you. We're very excited to have you. And we're going to get this thing started the same way we always do by checking out our Good Morning Crypto Twitter account. That is at 3TGM Crypto on Twitter. Go smash that follow button. We love talking to you. The Bitcoin Fear and Greed Index is in neutral this morning, Johnny, sitting at a 50. And when we look at some of the daily movers, fairly split across the board. XLM up about 9%, XRP up 6% on the day. When we look at our beautiful Merlin Markets page this morning, we're sitting at 1.19 trillion in total market cap. Bitcoin is 48% dominance. Ethereum is about 19%. We had Bitcoin dip below 30,000, sitting at 29,800. Ethereum, 19 flat. And XRP getting some bullish price action this morning, sitting at 80 cents. And Crypto Airy, we got a lot of great news to get into for our listeners, but I want to start off with your reaction to the ruling last week. We were fortunate enough to be on air when we saw the news come in, so everybody knows how we reacted. But what was your overall sentiment? On a scale of 1 to 10, how would you rate the ruling and what were your initial reactions? Well, I think my reaction was much the same as everyone else. Um, I really took it in for the first 24 hours. I didn't I didn't do a video right away. I, I didn't live stream. Um, there were no uh, pink sparkles until I really understood what had happened because it was a complex ruling. And and so I, I listened to as much content as I could from from all perspectives, whether it's uh, from a, a BTC uh, maxi to the XRP community. And I even sought out some uh, articles that were written by firms that don't have any dog in the fight or horse in the game and or horse in the race and, and just coming at it from uh, a very legal perspective. And I was really lucky today. Now, I think I'm, it's starting now to really become more clear. Uh, I'm, I'm a Patreon member of, of Darren Moore, and he released a, a, a video that he did with, um, with Jeremy Hogan for yeah. his Patreon members. He does that usually like a 24 hour early release. And, and I think after watching, uh, uh, John Deaton's live stream and just consuming as much content as I can and then watching uh, Jeremy's space. I think I really get it now, but yeah, it, it was of course. Uh, yeah, that, that's, that's the art. That's the video. I, um, I think that everybody's still getting their head around it and, and we still are just trying to all figure out how it's going to shake out because there are still moves to be made by the SEC. And so it's still a little bit unclear. Exactly, Erie. And we've been waiting three years for this ruling. So we're going to talk about it today. But first of all, I want to get started with a very exciting interview we found last Friday. This is from another friend of the show, Tony Edward. And he interviews some of the biggest names in the space, David Schwartz, Brad Garlinghouse, and of course, maybe someday, Gary Gensler, as he's in the live chat right now. But we got 316 live listeners here. Show us some love, smash that like button, and check out this latest update from Brad Garlinghouse. For the future of Ripple as well as XRP. Look, the implications for XRP, I think, are profound. Right. So we've been had this artificial pressure kind of sitting on top of us. That weight is lifted. It was a very, very, very heavy weight, but based upon a very, uh, in my opinion, bloated bureaucratic organization sitting on top of us. Uh, you know, for so that's I think we're going to see more entrepreneurs, more developers starting to participate in the XRP community, the XRP ledger activity. That's fabulous. And as I think I was saying right before I was breaking up, that the, the dynamic, there are uh, dynamics of the XRP ledger, which are far more efficient and, and make it better for certain use cases. And I think that'll be good for the whole community, period. You know, for Ripple, look, it, uh, I mean, somewhat similarly, obviously, our technology stack is really built on top of the XRP ledger. Uh, 
And, you know, we'll continue to invest heavily. There's things we haven't been able to do uh, that now we have clarity. You know, again, if you go back years, I've been the words, I want a level playing field and I want clarity for the XRP community and really for crypto overall. We really have that now. And uh, that's profound. You know, I think I was right starting to say when uh, I was breaking up, you know, I don't know if it's an irony or what, how exactly to describe it. But the fact that now that there are really only two digital assets that are cleared in the United States, officially cleared, Bitcoin and XRP. And so, Erie, with that big statement right there, I think we've been waiting years to hear those exact words. The rumors of a Bitcoin ETF application being approved this week are happening at the same time as the Ripple ruling. The question I have for you is we're seeing all of this new liquidity flood in. What are you anticipating? A lot of people are waiting for that all-time high with XRP, maybe a possible breakout for Bitcoin. When we look at the cycles, that doesn't appear to be where we are. So I'd love to hear from you and then we'll continue. Well, I think anytime we get the okay to have a new financial instrument within crypto is going to be attractive to the institutional investors, which is going to bring new capital to the space, which then <clears throat> eventually will trickle down into the other assets. And so I think it's super positive. I think it's quite fascinating the 180 degree uh, moves that a lot of these uh, institutional investors, especially BlackRock, have made. I saw the full onslaught, too, of Greenpeace with their images that they uh, projected in New York. Did you see that today? So there is there's quite a there's quite a pushback going on. The space is just getting incredibly interesting. I'm I'm very positive. I'm bullish. I'm glad that it's happening. And and I know that for the for the OGs in the space that maybe feel like Wall Street is taking over. Um, I think it was inevitable and it's going to be very interesting because the ecosystem has been able to grow pretty much without Wall Street. So now that we have Wall Street moving in, I'm very curious how it's going to change our space. Ari, I know Johnny Crypto was a follow up, but I got a quick question for you. Everyone's been waiting for the moment when Bank of America makes the announcement for Ripple ODL. What are you anticipating? If we do get a major announcement from an American bank, are we going to see a half dozen banks quickly follow? And if so, would that be the time you may take some profit on your XRP? I know a lot of people are waiting for utility. Yeah, well, there's a lot of banks using it through Tranglo and, and they have access to getting into ODL without actually owning the, the digital asset. They can they can uh, tap into those. <clears throat> sorry, they can tap into that wallet and then the uh, Ripple then invoices them for the use of the amount of XRP that they use to facilitate that bridge. And if you go into the backside of Tranglo and take a look at, at who is, um, is connected to their wallets that is ODL enabled, which is all there to see, um, they have a lot of banks. So the thing about ODL is that there is such a quick movement of a of a buy and a sell on a pool of assets that aren't being um, purchased and held by the banks. It's already out there that's being utilized that Ripple controls and is making available for their software product. So what do I think? I think it's great because it's going to have some um, more validation that this is a, a, an asset that has real utility and real use case. But I'm more looking forward to the derivatives. I'm much more looking forward to the to the DeFi. I'm looking forward to storage lockup. I'm looking to use cases where it actually 
is going to reduce that supply in a meaningful way. That's why the hooks um, side chain is really exciting for me. Although they might have that import uh, amendment that goes through, but right now it's a one-way burn to mint, which actually pulls XRP out of the circulating supply. So there, it, there's just a lot of other um, there's just a lot of other use cases that excite me more than ODL. And I think that for the first time, a lot of XRP holders are beginning to be open to that conversation. Anybody who comes into this market understands XRP from the stance of instant payments. And that, of course, means on-demand liquidity. When we look at articles like this one that was published yesterday, Johnny, you can see that's just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to Ripple use cases. And guys, we got 377 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And thank you, Erie, for making time for us this morning. We always appreciate when you join us. The value of cross-border payments is expected to reach $250 trillion by 2027. And the advantage of global payments powered by crypto are already apparent. Further, more than half of the global payments and treasury professionals point to faster payments and cost saving as the top two reasons to incorporate crypto into their cross-border transactions. And who's better for that than Ripple, Johnny? Floor is yours. Yeah, you know, they certainly, that's the place that they had originally designed themselves to play in. But as you've heard Brad say rightfully, they're expanding their business model, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. You know, they, he talked about, you know, costing. He talked about, tokenization they are you know, nft marketplace they are literally going to be looking to play a holistic so to provide a holistic solution in this entire market that's what gets me excited is brad has a good vision or the company has a good vision and they're not just looking they're not going to pigeonhole themselves in just one place now granted you know you do always want to make sure as a company that you do have a core business and you are great at your core business before you expand out but i think we're so new in this thing that I, I, I think Brad and, and Ripple trying to figure out where is their place? Where are the areas they should play in? And obviously, we know with the lawsuit on their back, with the monkey on their back the past three years, it's been difficult for them. So they went outside the U.S. and started playing in that space um, and planted the seeds, which I think is great for them because now they have a head start. And the ruling came in, obviously, as Brad said, which now we know gives them literally the only token other than BTC we already know. BTC is not even an entity, right? Nobody even knows who the entity is, so it can't. It's, it's going to be hard to pass the Howie test where there's no entity. So BTC is going to always going to be considered a, a non-security. And now we know that XRP is also a non-security. So those, to me, are, you know, the differentiating factors. And I think, for me, when I look at Ripple, the company, I get excited because they're looking at playing in different places. And when you look at XRP, the token, you now got to be excited because it's the only coin in the world other than BTC that has clarity. That's got to get you pumped up. Erie, one of the conversations we've been having is if XRP is built for on-demand liquidity, we know that central bank digital currencies are built on federated side chains. And this is going to get a little bit technical for our, for our listeners, so bear with me here. If XRP were to handle for, let's make it an even number, $100 trillion in liquidity, there wouldn't be $100 trillion on the XRPL. And what we've estimated is that you're going to need about 3 to 12% in order to facilitate that liquidity. So I'd like to hear your thoughts. If XRP is the solution to on-demand liquidity, we're not going to get a $250 trillion market cap. How much money would it take to actually facilitate all those needs? Well, that's interesting that you came up with that 3 to 12%. I'm curious how you came up with that. Um, it's not a federated either. They've, they've made a change. They've actually gone to more of a witness, uh, a, a side chain that has a witness to it. A little bit different, but that's also technical and we don't have to get into that right now. Uh, the side chains, which are basically a fork of the code, basically, and private, and those 
those will probably have their own digital asset, the CBDC by the bank to actually secure the network. Um, so that's kind of, when you ask me the two questions, I, I see the CBDCs as a separate entity, but if you go back to just ODL and how much will we need to facilitate those payments? Well, the percentage, I'm curious how you came up with that because you can use that digital asset. And I, I've asked the question on a couple of occasions and I haven't received the answer. And it might be because it's too hard to calculate, but, but one digital asset could be used how I think multiple times in a day, three times, five times, 10 times, 20 times, we don't know because that is, it may be in a busy corridor, in a very, very busy corridor, that single asset might be used 20 times. In a more exotic corridor, you might have the asset only used once in, in a day. So it, it's a very, very difficult, I think, uh, I think what's more important is how much does, how much XRP does Ripple need in their pool to facilitate their clients? That's, I think, the answer to get to. So right now, I've heard estimates anywhere between six and nine billion are used in a pool to facilitate the current client um, lineup. So you have to just kind of calculate that way. If they add another 300 banks how big does that pool have to get, et cetera. And then you can scale it from there. Um, but the fact that it's used on multiple times within a wallet going in lots of directions, back and forth, back and forth on a particular corridor, um, that it, it's very mind boggling to really guess. So how did you come up with the three to 12%? I'm curious. You know, we actually read a couple of articles. I believe it was in February of this year where we had heard from a banker and this was their theory. They created a basic model and they had used that number. And we just regurgitated that number. So I actually didn't come up with it on my own, but full transparency, that's how we got there. So, and that's the three to 12% of the circulating supply right now. Yeah. And you have to, did they, did they give an estimation of how much of that was actually like loose in the wild and not tied up in on a ledger somewhere by a hodler? Did they, that's did they have point. any? Probably not would be the answer. <laughs> yeah, because that, you know, you have to then break it down into how much is in the wallets, how, how active, how, how, how many wallets have been active or how many wallets have been inactive for how long. And I, I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a model to, to calculate pretty close estimates, but it's a, it's again, it's a, it's a very complex calculation. And I want to kick it to Mario here, but I just have one more follow-up question. We've talked about stable coins on our channel a lot, but the fact that instant payments are a new caveat to this market, I think it changes the conversation completely. So could we see a new definition of a stable coin because payments are instant? If you only need to be an XRP for two seconds, unless it's a red day, the price isn't going to fluctuate that much. Could an instant payment coin be a version of a stable coin? And then we'll move on here. Uh, crypto area, sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. So, yeah, I, I thought it, I thought it was going to Johnny. So you're saying so you're saying a brand new a, a brand new stable coin that's pegged to the dollar. Is that what you're saying? So we've talked about how stable coins, even though they may fluctuate in value because yep. they're instant and you're not in the project at all. Like for XRP, if I was going to transfer one hundred million dollars, I would only be in the network for about three seconds. So could that qualify as a stable coin? Because even though the price is fluctuating in value, you're able to transfer it instantly. 
Yeah, well, as Cindy Young once said, and I, and she's totally right. Um, when it comes to using XRP in a in a remittance flow, it just doesn't matter what the price is because because that period of time that it is bridging is so short. It just it's it's irrelevant and. And all of that uh, in turn, you know, I think originally Ripple was thinking that the banks would hold XRP. I mean, that was really what the original business model was thought to uh, do. But in order to to scale it and to make it less risk for those banks and actually go into countries like India, for example, they've decided to manage that um, that ODL a little bit differently and with kind of a universal wallet. Uh, well, they have individual wallets for the RippleNet provider, but still, it's it's a it's basically a universal pool that's allocated out. So, I don't know. Um, uh, the good thing about XRP, everyone knows, is that it's a neutral asset, so it doesn't have any sovereign identity with it. And the fact that it does fluctuate in price is irrelevant; doesn't matter for its performance in ODL. And um, again, I just get back to um, where it matters is when we're going to be doing like the AMM. And David has really been pretty genius to design a way to earn yield on that volatility. Yes. So that's so. So I, I want to have an asset that that's volatile because the more volatility it has, of course, the the more yield opportunity there is. And when you're looking at financial instruments, because because AMM, which is the market maker, which which is going to add a little bit of liquidity, which is a good thing, but that's just going to be one financial instrument. There's going to be many, many, many different types of instruments out there, and volatility is your friend. Johnny Crypto, she sounds like Larry Fink a little bit this morning as she said, decentralized assets are better because they're not confined to a border. Well, we're hearing people from BlackRock and JP Morgan say the same thing. So it seems like you're on the right track. But Johnny, I want to give you the open floor and we'll kick it to Mario. Yeah, Abs, you know, something that's really exciting about XRP, if you can pull up the Marlin, Merlin Markets page, I don't know if you have it up there. Um, I did want to show you one thing that's really cool. Click on the on the um, Markets so it shows all the, the charts at the top. Yeah, I thought we weren't going to do this, to be honest. But okay. Yeah, check this out. So look at that at the top. Notice how you see across the top, we designed it where you see the top three highest market cap coins. And look what the number three is. Do you see that on the right, baby? That's the first time we've seen it in a while. XRP, guys, has broken into the top. Now, of course, that excludes all stable coins. So what's really, really cool about that is it's been a long time since XRP has been number three. And here we are again. So I just thought that was worth mentioning. It's really exciting to know that, you know, it broke through a lot, a ton of money flew into this thing. And of course, you know, that was off the main announcement. Now the good news is with the monkey off its back, I think it's primed for a lot more money to flood into it. Not right now because there's no money left. The liquidity is, you know, it's like, like I said, it's like the water in this bottle, right? There's only so much liquidity right now and it can only go in so many places. And we're seeing where the money wants to be. But the next round of liquidity now to me is what's really exciting, Erie, because I look at it this way. Now that the monkey is off its back, once we get the BTC ETF, I personally believe that's going to be the next round of liquidity coming into this space. And then I believe there'll be a halo effect. The money pouring out of that will then fall into the top two, three, four, probably the top 10. I think you'll see the bulk of the money going into the top 10. 
coins. And therefore, with XRP being number three right there, you know, so always look at that chart at the top. It shows you it's like, that's a quick cheat sheet abs to see which three are in the top running. And it's exciting to me that soon I think XRP, hey, may be ready to go for number two. And Mario, big conversation everyone's having right now is the fact that the bearable bull and the blockchain backer collaborated for a podcast this week. And of course, it was centered around price action. And what we're showing our listeners right now is how blockchain backer has been calling this breakout since way before the ripple ruling last week. And Erie, I think you're going to find this interesting. He's calling this a technical breakout. And the news just happened in correspondence. So I know Mario has watched both those videos. Maybe you can give us a little breakdown. What do you think? He's calling for drastically high price targets. We can't even show it on the screen. $12, $16 after adoption, but Erie broke it down. We're talking half a trillion in market cap, even above that to get to those prices. So after watching those videos, what did you take away? Yeah, so I mean, I've, I have been watching a bunch of blockchain backers videos. I, I know the analysis that you're referring to with that fractal. Um, I haven't actually watched the one with bearable bulls, so I'm, I'm going to be watching it uh, after we get off the stream here. But the like the real question with the conversation we're having before you know, will XRP get to number two spot like they did in 2018? Has a bit of a ways to go, but this time it is different. You know, we always get the question, is this time different? This time it is different because it is the asset with the regulatory clarity in the United States. And I know that we always talk about this because outside of the United States, so much is happening, probably even more than inside of the United States. But for now, the United States continues to have this uh, impact in all markets. And so this is very bullish. I'm really excited to see if uh, if XRP can really take off uh, take off Ethereum or dethrone Ethereum of that number two spot. It's been a while, but I remember I remember I was already in the crypto market. I remember when that happened vividly. But to go back to your question about the price action, um, I think it's very opportunistic the way that everything happens. And we discussed it yesterday how these news tend to come right at the right right time. And it happens negatively. It happens positively. In this case, it happened positively impacting the price to the upside. Will we see those price explosions? I am still under, for me personally, and it's just my opinion, obviously, um, I don't think we're going to see all-time highs this year. Um, I, I have to stay conservative. Uh, I definitely believe we will see all-time highs. But this year, uh, maybe not. Well, Ari, this is when we get the live chat involved, guys. If you agree with Mario and you think we're going to stay below, actually, let's reverse it. If you think we're going to break all-time high, put a one in the live chat. If we're going to get above all-time high in 2023, throw us a one in the live chat. If you think we're going to stay below that number, which is about $3.80, stay below and put a number two. But guys, this is an exciting video or article I'm excited to get Ari's opinion on. Ripple says that U.S. banks will want to use XRP's cryptocurrency after their partial victory with the SEC. And there's only two real lines that I think are important in this article. Blockchain startup Ripple is confident U.S. banks and other financial firms in the country will start showing interest in adopting XRP for cross-border payments. The San Francisco-based firm expects to start with American financial firms by the use of ODL. And they're actually anticipating they could start using this product in the third quarter of this year. There's a lot we can get into here, but Erie, I'd like to start with the first question. Do you believe we're going to see adoption in the United States in 2023 now that we've received our ripple ruling? Yeah, I agree with Stu Alderati. I mean, how can you disagree with him? Uh, he knows that Bank of America has been close to them for a very long time. And and uh, they, uh, they uh, I'm absolutely sure, want to trim any costs that they have. And I'm sure they're excited to be able to use it and and it wouldn't be all too soon to start this year. So, yeah, I, I agree that it'll probably be a bank that is added. I just am curious as to 
which corridors they're going to utilize and how much of that flow they're actually going to put through. And that, that will be quite interesting to see. Again, we get back to that big pool of XRP that's facilitating the remittances. How much larger does that pool have to be? And that's a really great question. One of the things I did want to ask you before we kick it to Johnny, or do you think we're going to see a bunch of financial firms follow suit? All we need is one before the floodgates to open. If Bank of America announces they're using RippleNet, do you think we'll quickly see three, four, five, even 10 banks quickly follow? Uh, Aerie, sorry. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, I do. Um, it, you know what? I think you're going to see the, the larger banks um, probably have more than one solution too. I, I really do believe that just like the Fed now is going to be a suite of solutions. And I think that that ODL is going to be one of those solutions that, that fits a perfect use case for a lot of the large banks for particular corridors that they don't want to park a lot of money into the Nostro Vostros. Thank you, Ari. And we're going to play this really exciting video for our listeners. We got 512 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And congratulations to all the XRP holders out there. What we're about to do is shift the conversation into the appeal process. And for many of our daily listeners, we showed Gary Gensler's response. He wasn't very happy with Judge Torres' ruling. But here's what's actually going to go down over the next couple of years. Back, SEC, a lot of lawyers, opinions, and everybody's saying the SEC will appeal and that maybe the Judge Torres' decision is actually based on false knowledge or that it's a crappy decision or whatever. But what they're not talking about is that even if the SEC appeals, we're talking about a year, year and a half down the road. Oh, I think they can't even appeal until next year, and then it would be a couple of years. And, you know, of course, Ripple XRP would drag that out forever. You know, they would, they would, you know, because you can go into court and, you you know, you could say, oh, the, the lawyer has a previous engagement. Give me three months, three months, three months, three months. They'll drag that out. You know, it might be three years. Um, and it'll be a different administration, uh, you know, different chair, different rules by then. Talk so, Ari, we're lucky enough to talk to you about this a little bit before the show. And you provided a very realistic take. I want to start with Johnny Crypto and then we'll kick it to Erie. First of all, that guy didn't make sense. They don't have years to appeal. They have 20 days. So if they don't appeal within 20 days, that's it. From what I've been from what I've read. But of course, we got Jeremy Hogan on Friday. We'll ask him. Yeah. But everything I've read has said they have 20 days to appeal. And you've already heard Gensler say, we're looking at it. So that means probably his people look in to see if there's any, you know, they'll sort of looking at every response line by line to see, is there a weakness? Is there something that they think? But if you watch Jeremy's video, Hogan, he said that the way the judge came to the conclusion, she wrote things and did things very methodically and to the point to make it as anti-appeal as possible. So we'll have to wait and see what happens here. Ab. So I don't know what that guy's talking about. They don't have years. However, he is right from the perspective of if they do appeal. Yeah. We've all saw what can happen when you start appealing, they could delay and they'll ask for this and ask for that. And if I were ripple, well, see, here's the problem. It doesn't really benefit ripple to delay because the longer that this thing stays open now as an appeal creates uncertainty again. And if you're a company, Right? Like I said this yesterday on the show, it's going to bring some uncertainty back in. Some companies that maybe are on the fence or thinking investing and say, you know what? We're going to wait because now they're back in. We don't know what this thing's going to turn out to, right? So I don't want to see an appeal. I hope we don't. I mean, poor Ripple's waited three years for this. You know, let's not extend this another two because I do think it could hurt them a bit. But that, that's just my eight cents. Eri, I'd love to get your thoughts as well. And Gary Gensler had a response yesterday where they said, we're still ruling, we're still viewing the opinion of the judge 
It was an interesting caveat because I listened to a lawyer and they told me that him using the word opinion was actually a slight at the judge. So I found that to be very interesting. What stuck out to you about uh, Gary Gensler's response? Well, I, I think that in his two responses he gave, one was to Yahoo, right? And one was in this uh, press release. Um, he was very much a changed man. He was very, his his demeanor was totally different. He, he really took back uh, a lot of his aggressiveness. And I think he, it caught him probably off guard and they, they are um, still thinking about it. Yeah, absolutely. The opinion is uh, really the wrong word. And if if they do have, uh, if they think that they can overturn this, they have to overturn it on facts. They can't introduce new, they have to, they have to go with what's been laid out already. They have to show that there was an error made by Judge Torres. It's not like you can come back and say, oh, by the way, we meant to say this, or we meant to say that. It, it, they have to go with with what she ruled and and they have to prove that how she ruled was in error and so it's not an opinion base so uh, yeah but i did see that his demeanor has totally changed and i don't think the other thing i wanted to say on that other quick video that you played with the two guys yep it was not ripple that was delaying before it was always the sec and there would be no reason why ripple would want to delay in in the future to get a full clarity that lasts forever would be absolutely what they want there is no reason why they would keep this from being decided upon and and uh, it it just goes to show that that guy really didn't watch carefully and know the facts that it was the sec that delayed the whole way through what was your biggest takeaway from the Ripple ruling? I know that we've discussed it from the perspective of a Ripple win, and we talked about it for days. Was there anything you believe the SEC was happy with that they took away from this ruling? We had a brief discussion beforehand, but I do want to hear your thoughts. Yeah, well, of course, it's not how they wanted it to go. The one thing they really wanted to have is to put a stick in the spokes for the retail investors because that would allow them to then be active in the regulation of exchanges. And now, since you can't prove that there was actually a securities transaction taking place on a on an exchange, <laughs> what what in the world are they going to do, especially with the Coinbase <laughs> with the Coinbase situation? Now with Binance, I know that they've got some other issues that they're trying to raise, but um, <laughs> I have heard I have heard some some Bitcoin maximalists think that this helps. Coinbase more than Ripple. I don't agree with that. I think it it helps the ecosystem more yeah. than anything else. And uh, but it but it is going to help Coinbase a lot. In fact, if you saw uh, Erie, literally they came and pointed to the case. Their attorneys pointed to the case immediately when the ruling came out. There's no doubt about it that they're going to leverage this abs, and this is going to be a big benefit to exchanges because basically they came out and said, or Judge Shores came out and said programmatic sales are not a security. I mean, there it is. That, that literally helps the whole entire, I, maybe I should say the word exchange industry. All the exchanges will be able to trade it and they're going to all point to that ruling. And until that gets overturned, <laughs> hey, look, the judge said that programmatic sales are not a security. Now, obviously, when you look at a court case, you have to look at all the facts and they matter. But I don't think, I think that was such a broad one. And we'll, again, on Friday, we'll ask Jeremy, 
if this should hold across all of them, which it sounds like it will. And it, it, this is a huge win if it does for the entire crypto industry, because imagine if it went the other way abs and then all coins were in question, you literally would shut down every single exchange in the U S right. And instead now what happened, not only did they shut down, they all released it XRP within hours. No, I think while we were on there, they relisted it. They did it so. That's what was shocking to me, Johnny. Remember, there were two key exchanges that that stuck out to us. The first one was a huge exchange. I think it was Bitbuy in Canada listed XRP the day before the ruling came out, and then obviously the ruling comes out in the morning. Coinbase, uh, Kraken, Crypto.com, maybe I'm not sure though. All of them began to relist immediately. So what that tells me is they either knew what the ruling was and were able to discuss it, or they had been making or they had been making. Plans for when yeah. they got the ruling and yeah. they, they had ready, they were ready. Most to likely they were making plans. They were ready. Everybody knew between now and September, something was probably coming. These guys are, you know, this is their business model, right? They make money on sales of coins. So there's no doubt they were waiting, ready. They had everything set up and they were just ready to flip the switch when it was ready. They did their due diligence. That's what I'm betting on abs. No doubt. I just want to know. What did the Canadians know? They listed it today right? before. I wanted to know what connections they had because, man, they didn't waste no time. They went a day ahead of time. So something tells me somebody do something up in Canada. Agreed. You know, I actually thought when, when we saw the SEC change the tactic and come after exchanges, I thought that that was a way for them to kind of stall this decision or put a little bit more pressure into the judge in, in, in the uh, SEC versus Ripple case. So – I thought we were going to see this thing being dragged on for a little longer just because her decision was going going to impact way more. And obviously it was already going to impact, but it was now going to impact, especially the one with Coinbase. But I think the SEC is backed into a corner uh, and I'm very um, I'm very curious to see how they're going to get themselves out, because now that we've got a ruling that programmatic sales for XRP are not securities, well, that applies to many of these other crypto assets that the SEC is claiming to be securities in this uh, litigation against Coinbase. So Coinbase is absolutely going to use that. Going but to- remember this, Mario, they did get a partial win out of this. So anything, if yeah. you look at the way, if you look at the way Ripple launched their initial coin offering, exactly the way Ethereum did it, that part was deemed still a security. So the Ripple, so uh, so the SEC has a win here. They're going to use that. They're going to, I told you, they're going to, they took out the third polish, right? And they turned it up and made it sound like a great win, but they're going to take that piece of it and they're going to go after as many coins as they want to. They could go after ETH if they want. I don't think they'll have to Cardano because I don't think they launch it, but any coin that did some kind of IPO, ICO or something along those lines where they made a promise, sold it to an institution uh, with, you know, with this concept of, Hey, we're going to do some work and you're going to benefit from it. The SEC could still go after them and don't be surprised if you still see them, you know, the problem is now it's the SEC picking winners and losers in that situation, right? Absolutely. And Erie, I'd love to get some thoughts from you as well. I do have a follow-up question about Ethereum and how this ruling may affect that, but did you have any closing remarks for this particular topic? No, I think that, you know, everybody's doing a great job at just being patient and, and watching the space carefully and, and, and watching John Deaton with his live streams and, listening to all opinions out there. I think that it's important that we don't live in our vacuum and, and definitely get into looking at opinions that are, are from other camps. And also 
if you search today, you can find that there's a lot of articles now being written by firms out there. And the one I just found from Allen and Overy, which is the second largest uh, firm by revenue in the UK, they have a very good article uh, with their take. And so I, I just think that everyone just needs to uh, keep researching, keep listening, and keep paying attention closely to all sides of the uh, narrative. Thank you, Arian. This is something I'm excited to hear your opinion on. Last week, we got a ruling and we've talked about ETHgate for several months, possibly years on our channel. Well, a lot of these ideas are coming to fruition. And what we're seeing right now is Ethereum ICO participants are transferring their Ethereum onto exchanges after nearly eight years of holding in cold storage. And we also have a tweet here from Jimmy Valley breaking down a lot of the, a lot of the aspects of Ethereum that qualify it to be an investment contract. So I'm going to ask you point blank, do you think there's a dark day looming for Ethereum, especially with the Ripple ruling coming last week? No, I don't. I think that the layer twos that have been built on the Ethereum network are pretty solid, pretty good tech, pretty, pretty, pretty awesome out there. There's just a lot. Um, the only thing that concerns me is that some of the people who know the risk factor, including Vitalik, said that he didn't want to stake all his Ethereum, right? Yeah. Is this, and, and somebody who was involved in building that solution out also said the same thing, that he was a little hesitant to, to put too much into the staking. That, to me, was more of a red flag than anything else. I, I want to know what it is that is spooking those guys to to shy away from going all in on the staking product. I, I, I wonder if there is more risk there or some vulnerability that we don't know about. Um, remember, Ethereum had a big vulnerability that they knew about that they that they didn't make public for a very long time, and they and they fixed it, of course. But uh, that I think that's the only thing that has my attention right now as to what's going on with that side of the uh, hesitancy for staking. And I know we're, we're not short on time. We typically run late on these Wednesdays. So just give me a thumbs up when you got to jump. But guys, we got 537 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. And Erie, I'd love to give you the open floor on this latest article because, of course, you're the superstar of this article down here. SBI launches a midsummer XRP festival, XRP CFD trading, and to boost XRP's presence in Japan. As somebody who resides in Japan, and obviously your tweet is linked within this article, I'd like to just get the open floor and, and save our listeners the boring details. What do you think is most important here? As somebody in Japan, are you seeing all this XRP endorsement as a citizen, or is this more of just a headline thing? Well, this is, this is SBI realizing that there are more ways to uh, use the digital asset to bring wealth and passive income to their clients. And so I want to just give a shout out to the Crypto Basic because they're doing an excellent job. They're a fairly new media in this space. They're doing an excellent job. My tweet was quite concise, but what I found is they actually went into the article itself and did more research by going on to SBI's site. They did provide the links. That's important because we've seen a lot of articles out these days with links that uh, or, or, or with articles that have no link, <laughs> right? No source, and also have a source to a to an article that actually doesn't even prove what their headline is trying to say. <laughs> so, I, I would I, I'm just hoping that everybody is um, is going to keep improving their research and double check all these media's because 
because it, most of them are wrong and most of them are starting to retweet each other. So they see one one media go with uh, a narrative and then somebody copies it without double checking it. But the crypto basic seems to be doing a good job. So in the in the in the um, in a nutshell, Mr. Kitao, which is, uh, you know, it's actually Mr. Kondo who's running SBI VC trade, but they did a very interesting cross promotion with their FX site. So they are promoting spot trading, leverage trading, and they've introduced a new FX de de uh, derivative with XRP. This is called a CFD, which is a contract for difference. It's, it's a settlement-based instrument, so it's not actually using the digital asset. It's more, you're, it's more like, a, like, a, like a betting on is the price going to go up or is the price going to go down kind of instrument if I were to put it. Is it like an option? Time. Is that like it, an option? It's more like a future. It's like more a, like a future. Okay, yeah. And so um, this morning I was in a Twitter space and Santiago Velez was in there. He's an expert on derivatives. And he really uh, broke down some of the um, some of the the good things and some of the sides you have to be careful of, which is increased risk with with these financial instruments in this kind of uh, environment. But there is a there's a lot of work going on on the backside with Ripple. If you were to catch that um, video that I did that has the um, they have their head of institutional markets. Her name is um, Areli Downs, and she is working on some derivatives for the XRP ledger and XRP. She specifically says she she knows that right now it's very Ethereum and BTC based, and she comes from TradFi, and she wants to bring those TradFi uh, trading instruments into crypto. And she's her job; she is tasked with finding more liquidity and utility for XRP. And she is like a whiz when it comes to DeFi. And they're, they're doing it for the institutional investors. So I'm telling you, there is a lot going on on the backside. And that's super, super exciting. So Mr. Mr. Kitao, again, is ahead of the curve, as he always is. I always tell everyone, and I know it sounds kind of cheesy. I always say that he kind of sets the, the pace. And he's always ahead. And if you follow what he does, usually you find uh, a ripple following suit, but you'll find, oh, look at I, I, Mentelec. I just want to say, I see he, um, I don't, I didn't read what he said, but I wanted to just give a shout out to him. He, yeah, um, he he leaves the most interesting comments in my videos all, all regularly and they're well thought out and he, he just doesn't uh, hit a, you know, uh, some, well, any sort of comments great because it also it always helps our algorithms but i'm noticing that his comments are always very critical thinking uh type comments which i that's, wanted to say that's thank why you. he's mentalect yeah, yeah. he really is awesome but, but i'm so happy for sbi and i'm so happy that they're leading this space and i'm and i'm just thrilled to see that they're using xrp in every way possible and leave it to Mr. Kitao. He's excellent for that. Let's get the hype train going here, guys. If you agree with Crypto Eerie, throw a one in the live chat. If you disagree, put a two in the live chat about Japanese crypto adoption, specifically XRP. But when people talk about XRP in Japan, Crypto Eerie, this is the article that continues to come up. I believe it's from 2018. And it is, it is from, I can't pronounce his first name, Yoshikaku. 
Takoa Katow. Sorry, I embarrassed myself. I embarrassed myself with that one, guys. So I apologize for it. But what he does say is that every bank in Japan will begin using XRP by 2025. And this is a very old article. It's about five years old now. So, of course, times have changed, and I'm sure his narrative has. But what do you think about this? Are we going to see some mainstream adoption in, in Japan before other nations around the world? Okay, he never said that. And if you go back and you, you research what? the article, <laughs> he never this, said it. It goes back like five years ago, and it was wrong all the way back then. That's fascinating. It, it's, a sa- it, it, it's the same thing with the translation you know, lost in translation with the blink of the eye business. Um, he never said that. Now, if you go back, Coin CoinSpeaker, I believe, was the very first uh, news source to to release that, and they actually give you, yeah, that one. I think, I think, um, um, you can, everyone can double check me, but if you look at what article that they cite, it is the Coin Post article. Coin Post is like uh, Coin Telegraph, or or you know, it's it's the leading media here in japan for crypto and they're they're very reliable and they did an interview and if you go and you you carefully look at that interview he's talking about an s coin which stood for sbi i don't think a lot of people remember he was going to release an s coin for the osaka world what do you call it guys help me out the the world uh World Fair. Sorry, I got stuck. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, the World Fair. And he has he has since, you know, moved away from that plan. But what he announced at that time, five years ago, is that he wanted to have every bank use the S coin by 2025, with the deadline being the World's Fair. And that that is in the article. Everybody can go check had nothing to do with XRP, zero. Now he did talk about XRP in that interview. And what he did say, which I think is more interesting is he thought that that XRP uh, would surpass Bitcoin, <laughs> which is interesting. You know, that was a big, that was a big statement, um, but it, it, it didn't have anything to do with every bank using XRP by 2025. Sorry guys, that just, wasn't ever said. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Sorry to put out the hopium this morning, but we got 522 live listeners here. Thank you for being here, Crypto Ari. We always appreciate when you come on our show. And this is a big article I wanted to pay to go over with you. But first, we're going to play a video that corresponds to this. As yesterday, the NASDAQ halts its plans for crypto custody services due to the U.S. regulatory conditions. Now, with the XRP ruling, we thought times would change. But this video right here explains the relationship between NASDAQ, MasterCard, Visa, and Ripple. Here we go. Larry Fink was very negative on crypto. And I think BlackRock's the largest asset manager out there. And for them to say that we want to spot ETF for crypto, I mean, this is a huge shift from one of the largest institutions. And that's why we've seen this bullish sentiment on crypto right now. And if you combine that with the ruling on XRP, I think it's going to be a great time in crypto for the next six months. Well, Ben, let's talk about that. Where do things stand with regulation in the crypto space? We know the lack of a framework has been one of the challenges. How does the recent... Ari, I think it's worth pausing and getting a comment. Do you agree with that statement overall before we continue? Over the next three to six months, we are going to see a plethora of financial institutions come out and basically endorse cryptocurrency, putting XRP to the side. Yeah, I think so. It's just I, I think what's interesting is that they were trying to get their license with the New York Department of Financial Services for a limited trust company. I, I don't think that it had so much to do with regulatory 
environment. I think it had everything to do with New York. New York's a very difficult part of the United States to get a license, right? So I, I think it's I think that is really the the real thing. Um, yeah, when when um, the floodgates do open, um, it's going to just have a positive effect in terms of capital, in terms of growing the overall market cap of the crypto uh, space. So um, I, 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 I think I agree with him. And, and I and I don't think that article is such a bad article. I think it's all about the New York Department of Financial Services just being very, very tough. What's exciting to see is that NASDAQ employees are now coming out and talking about these things. For a while, it was like, are, do they not understand the utility of these assets? Well, of course, NDAs come into the conversation. But this is a really important video I'd like to play as Kathy Wood is talking about how the crypto ecosystem will go from $1 trillion to $25 trillion in the next five to seven years. And let's talk about how this can impact our listeners. We think the entire crypto asset ecosystem is going to scale from roughly a trillion dollars altogether right now uh, to $25 in the next five to seven years. So big idea. And what will be the main catalyst uh, for such a big growth? The three are a global monetary system. That's Bitcoin primarily. uh, DeFi or internet financial system. uh, And uh, digital property rights, which many people call uh, Web3 or Metaverse. And there you have it. If anybody can accomplish any of those use cases, it's our community right here. But Johnny, I do want to get some thoughts from you. Are you a little, are you aware? I'd like to get some of your thoughts on this article. Kathy Woods stated yesterday, by 2030, she's anticipating a $1 million Bitcoin. And she said that was her bullish case scenario. Her minimum price target was 600000 So regardless, we're going to see a couple of bull markets before we get there. What do you think about these statements? Any chance we get to $25 trillion in the next five to seven years? man i mean you know those are big numbers i'll tell you what michael saylor is going to be a really really happy man if 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 any if she if you get half those numbers i've always been of the mindset and this is just me and i'm thinking more shorter term next four to five years that i expected bitcoin to be in the uh the six figures i i think 100 150 is somewhat realistic to see 600,000 or a million, I mean, that's, that. you know, is it possible? Sure. I mean, you're saying we're 21 million tokens forever. I mean, you would need a flood, a flood, a ton of money would have to come in and buy this thing up. So is it possible? Of course, anything's possible. You know, the realistic side of it, I mean, I think we have to wait to see. Let's see what it looks like after we get the first Bitcoin ETF. And then we can probably better comment. I have read st- I've read stuff that shows that five to ten billion dollars of money flooded into Bitcoin. You would see an appreciation of um, you know somewhere to seventy to hundred grand, right? Now, if you're looking at one, two, three percent of a trillion dollars, you're looking at thirty trillion, you know, thirty, and that kind of puts you in maybe the the, the three, four, five hundred thousand. So it's possible, but let's see, let's see. I mean, that's a really, really big number. Um, and you know, I guess we'll just have to see how excited people are for it, but if it's all going to start with the Bitcoin ETF, that's where I think will be the birth of it abs from that point forward. Now anything's possible at that point, but remember this, everybody's talking about all oh, this things and adopted just so it's for the record. So I was doing some research on this. The sec has anywhere from 45 days all the way up to 240 days to actually approve this thing. So, you know, don't think this is going to happen overnight. It could, 
They could do it within 45 days. But think about this. They have up to 240. Do you know where 240 would put us, Habs? Do I have to say it? Yeah, say it, please. Right about around the time when the having's coming. So you think about, you know, they, you know, we always talk about show me the church, show me the news. If, if you're them and you want to really, really pump the shit out of the whole crypto market, you would probably wait until we get closer to the having. And as the having gets closer, maybe we also get the ruling. Again, I have no inside information. I have no clue. I'm just thinking if it were me, that's how I would do it, knowing how they play the game. So for me, I'm thinking maybe that's what happens. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. That would be a lot of news. I don't want to bore our listeners with the Bitcoin talk because I know our community isn't too interested in it. But this is some groundbreaking news, and I do think it's worth reporting on the show. The SEC will start its approval process for spot Bitcoin ETFs starting tomorrow. And this tweet is actually from yesterday, including the list that BlackRock was included in. Now, this is exciting, right? When we see the floodgates open, it starts with liquidity in Bitcoin. Then it cycles down to the altcoins. Could this be a similar situation? I'd love to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I I. I hold a lot of Bitcoin. I've been holding since uh, holding and cost averaging in since 2014. So, of course, I would like to see it um, be adopted. And I and I do believe that Kathy's numbers. Sorry, you're going to see it get adopted. It's coming. Yeah, I think so. And I think that um, I, I actually think her numbers are low in terms of the total market cap. But I don't necessarily agree that all the money is going to flow into Bitcoin. I think that it's going to flow across um, other assets. And that's mostly because of the utility for the tokenization. So when we see all those tokenized assets, and, and you can see that there are anywhere from 200 to 500 trillion of real world assets that are going to be tokenized, um, a lot of that value is going to end up in um it, it, whether it's an NFT or whether it's uh, utilizing um, a gas token for a certain platform that we either see now or haven't seen yet. Uh, so I think there's still a lot to be said. I think that her number, yeah, for the total market cap is low, but I don't think it's all going to flow into Bitcoin. Um, and, and her numbers are pretty aggressive. And I've been listening to aggressive numbers for years and years and years. Um, I, I hope it's, I hope it's something crazy like that, but I don't have, uh, I don't have, you know, I'm not betting the farm on it. I, I'm, I'm taking a very, uh, approach like, please surprise me. <laughs> hey, Ab, so I just did some back, you know, my engineering mind here. I just did some yeah. back of the calculation numbers for the group here. So I'm just going off some rough, rough <laughs> napkins here. Okay. So don't hold me to this like. But so if you look at kind of where we are today, Bitcoin has about approximately half of the market cap of the industry, right? So if we just apply that, let's just say it's still going to hold the half and 25 trillion does come in. Then you take that, you divide it by the number of coins out there available. That comes out to a Bitcoin price crypto. Or you're going to be very happy to hear this. It comes out to $571,000. So if she's true, if she's correct, I mean, that let's say 25 trillion makes up the total cap of the whole entire crypto space. And if we apply the same exact, you know, distribution we're seeing today with Bitcoin getting about half and then the rest of the market getting the other half. Yeah, it looks like 571 is is actually somewhat potentially realistic. So crypto, you're going to be a very, very happy person. Yeah, but let me just say something. Going back to derivatives again, almost 73 to 74% of the volume that we have happening today is in derivatives. And so what she's saying is all that money is going to flow into people who hold Bitcoin, right? 
when when an you know that's that that, that's, yeah that's it, a big it, jump yeah yeah that's really what she's saying and so yeah. um i know there's only 21 million and of that 21 million there's many that are lost and people have passed away and the keys are forever gone and so maybe that number is more like 18 and I, I, but, but we, we've got to really look at how this space is going to grow. They're going to create brand new financial instruments also for Bitcoin that aren't even out there yet. We haven't even seen it. There's going to be just this huge explosion of different ways to trade this asset. Yep. But when you're trading the asset of the spot ETF is important because it's actually pulling the, the asset out of uh, circulation. But, yeah. but, but you're going to see a lot of different financial instruments that are just just going to be on a cash settled basis for instance or a fiat settled basement or a settled basis or what have you so I, I just don't know if i believe all that's going to flow into people holding the asset i think it's going to be spread across the whole market in tokenized form and in, in in lots of different types of assets that represent that real world asset. And I really think tokenization is going to become the center of conversation once this market evolves. We're focused on payments because that's how we're going to get in there. But once we get the use cases that are fully implemented, tokenization is going to change these markets forever. And I think that's what many of our listeners are waiting for. Here's just a 10 second clip of her stating the price targets and then we'll move on. Uh, we went to a bear base and bull case. So our bull case is, I think it's 1.5 million. The base case uh, is 600, I think it's 625,000, something like that. So I just wanted to play that for our listeners. That way you got your proof. There's your investigative journalism, guys. And we got 530 listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. We're bouncing around to an article we covered at the beginning of the show, Erie. The value of cross-border payments is expected to reach $250 trillion by 2027, well, David Schwartz had a really interesting video from a year ago talking about how, how Ripple solves a trillion-dollar issue. Multi-trillion-dollar problem. And it seems like cryptocurrencies are just naturally suited to make payments better. And it's specifically, we kind of focused on cross-border international payments, not because domestic payments are great, but because it's, it's cross-border payments are the worst. Like if you, anyone who's made an international payment probably has stories of, of bad experiences. And so the worse the thing you start with, the less amazing you have to be to be better. And I think like, I think we can eventually be amazing and sort of take over the payments world, but we're not going to be there day one. And so we, if we can't, you know, if we can't succeed against the worst part of the problem, why are we, why are we bothering? And so that was kind of the very earliest focus. And I think that kind of matured between 2011 and 2014, this kind of focus of like, we really need to solve payments. And so I just wanted to play that last clip to close it out. What do you think, is, what are you anticipating as the most exciting evolution we're yet to see? The automated market maker, the on-demand liquidity being facilitated, Crypto Erie, just a broad question here. What gets you most excited about what lies in front of us? DeFi. That's what decentralized finance. And why is that? Yeah, because I think I think they, they will coexist with the centralized exchanges. Yes, of course. But I think as... DeFi builds out that trustless environment that has a good UI that it, uh, allows for um, anybody to participate. It has has a huge potential, and and I do see that the banks are going to adopt it 
and they're going to offer their customers and their clients DeFi solutions. Actually, DBS in Singapore is already doing it. So wow. it's not like uh, in the future, it's actually happening. And and I think that the DeFi is really what's going to shape this space in, in an incredible way. I got a question for you on that. So how are you said somebody in Japan or Asia is already doing it? How are they doing it when it's decentralized? So what what are they doing? What pieces of it are they yeah, owning? Because you the, can't own it if it's decentralized. So I'm a little confused on how. Maybe yeah, you can so tell us a bit more on that. When when you when you look at how an, a smart contract is executed, it's it's a decentralized. Uh, Correct. Process. Oh, did she freeze? You, you set up the infrastructure. But it's not a central entity that's that's governing the actual uh, process. You've actually got a decentralized system that works on its own. Just like the XRP Ledger is going to be utilizing the AMM, they're going to put the the uh, mechanism in place. Okay, so that mechanism is going to be a decentralized mechanism and tool. And so that that's really how all the banks are are uh, going to utilize this this uh, technology as well. Uh, and I just think that there'll be CFI, there'll be DeFi, and there'll be the hybrid also. And so maybe maybe it's better for me to to say that DBS is working in a in a um, in a hybrid environment. So that okay. probably is a better description. Yeah, because yeah, I was curious of how the thing that that I wonder, and I'd love your take, is the big boys want to control everything and own it, and DeFi is completely the opposite. That where you don't. So uh, what worries me is why would they allow DeFi to take off when it competes directly with them? So yeah. this is where this is the thing that fascinates me to see how this whole uh, thing plays out between you know DeFi and CFI, right? Because it's 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 that's the ultimate battle. And, and, you know, maybe I'm thinking about it wrong though. But I, I yeah, think I think you're gonna have some of these um, kind of hybrid models where yeah. the KYC is done. So you could say the KYC part of that platform yes. will be centralized. Yes. Yeah. But you're sense. gonna but you're gonna find aspects of it that are decentralized and, and that work on a um, you know on a basis that that really is utilizing the technology and not so much coming from the decision maker within a central centralized entity. Yeah. So you're thinking they would profit off of maybe running and owning the KYC piece of it. Right. If they're saying, I'm thinking of the yeah, money. It's, well, it's so hard to say because, I mean, look at digital identity. We might see a totally decentralized digital identity come into play. I know that there's lots of people working on that. And oh, so that is such a, you don't even know, you just queued up our next topic, crypto. That's what we're <laughs> going to close the show out on. So continue. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think there's a lot of people working on that. And, and, and probably already there are some solutions out there. It's just a matter of who's going to be first to market in terms of mass adoption and who's going to do it in a way that the technology is not a barrier. In other words, you know, the user interface is easy and, and adopting the wallet is easy and everybody's got the app on their phone. And so I, I just think we're just scratching the surface and this is just the beginning. Guys, it is not Conspiracy Friday, but because Crypto Erie's here, we're going to have a little conspiracy talk at the end of the show, of course. But we got 516 live listeners here. We're going to show you the smartest way to track your crypto. Then we're going to get into some really exciting topics. Have you gotten wrecked in the crypto market space or watched your crypto portfolio go all the way up and then all the way down without taking profits? If so, it's probably because you didn't have an exit plan. 
The good news is that doesn't need to happen anymore thanks to a new and innovative crypto tracker called Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Merlin brings all your coins into one place so you can see all your assets across the different exchanges on one screen. You can see your total portfolio value and more importantly, your daily gains, losses, and total since inception. Merlin puts the power back in your hands so you no longer have to guess what your portfolio is doing on a daily or monthly basis. Most importantly, Merlin lets you create an exit plan and sends you notifications when your targets are reached so you no longer have to get wrecked in the marketplace. Go to MerlinCrypto.com, that's MerlinCrypto.com, and sign up for our free 30-day trial and get on the wait list so you can receive an email when the product is launched. Don't miss out on this new and innovative app, Merlin. It's the smartest way to track your crypto. Guys, it's the smartest way to track your crypto, but it's also one of the most beautiful applications in existence. And we gave you a little sneak peek of the product earlier in the episode. But Erie, I want to switch topics here because this is something you brought up before the show. And coincidentally, we got a couple of articles related to this. Major news. The CEO of Uphold announces plans to integrate the Uphold wallet on the XRP ledger, launching a self-custodian wallet built on the XRPL. The XRP community will be the first to witness this groundbreaking innovation Get ready for a revolution in digital asset management coming this September. And so, Erie, I do want to get your response. But before we do, here's the clip of him making this groundbreaking statement. So as we move forward towards uh, blockchain and how blockchain is really just changing the world, it's, it's really interesting to me how companies within crypto, which I would you know put uphold in that category, it's kind of there's a there's a tipping point where you go from having to use the traditional system to actually let's use the system that we're involved in. Yeah. Where are we on that on that scale? It's a really interesting question because at some point, you know, we obviously want to transfer our own ledger to a blockchain. Yeah. Um, and at the moment, we're not on a blockchain, and it's to do with speed and cost and all the things we know about. But it's firmly in our roadmap of intentions that we we want to be uh based on a on a decentralized ledger um we're taking a really important step this year in regards to the custody um because we're introducing something in september called uphold vault it will first be launched uh on the xrp ledger and it's the first time that uh, a platform has combined the convenience of cfi with the ultimate security of a self-custodial wallet I love it, Crypto Area, and I want to get your statements. This is obviously, you didn't get time to prep on this. So what's your initial reaction to Uphold announcing they're going to be using the XRPL? Uh, this is a perfect example of a centralized entity leveraging a decentralized technology. And so we've got this. This is this is exactly what I was talking about. I love it. Um, if, if it's uh, truly uh, self-custody, if it really, really is self-custody, I mean, no backdoors, no... No, 90% of it of the code is is um, open source, but 10% is not open source. You know, I want 100% open source to make sure that we don't have any vulnerabilities that are being hidden from us or any backdoors that can be um, that can sideswipe us with with government crazy regulation. Um, if it's really self custody, this is exactly um, what we need. We need to be able to you know, not your keys, not your crypto. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of solutions out there that will tell you that you can get this asset or this asset and, and don't worry, it's insured and, and we're not going to do anything. But if that central agency has any 
liquidity problems or they are uh, having some, some capital problems, that vehicle, whether it's a credit card or what have you, is frozen. So yes, you might be insured, but you can't access your assets. So when you don't have, when you don't have full control over your assets, I don't care if it's gold, I don't care if it's, uh, I don't care what you're talking about, um, corn, whatever. If you don't, if you don't physically have the keys to that storage, and you're not the only person in control, you don't own it, and you don't control it. And I don't want to be in that situation. There's an old saying, it goes, possession is nine-tenths of the rule. You better own it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like sure. that, Johnny. I really do. And, and we talk a lot about gold, but let's actually focus on this groundbreaking news as well. And I'm going a little bit quickly, Erie, because I know you may be short on time. Breaking news, Ripple is shaping the future of the metaverse with a significant investment in the futureverse. This is an AI metaverse company backed by Ripple in a $54 million Series A funding round. And it is set to revolutionize the digital realm. With Ripple's XRP token integrated integrated into Futureverse's blockchain, the effectiveness of transactions in the metaverse is expected to skyrocket. Partnerships with FIFA and MasterCard, as well as Snoop Dogg and Keanu Reeves, only add to the excitement. Stay tuned as Ripple and XRP power the open metaverse. And Erie, you brought up how DeFi was one of your most exciting aspects of the XRPL. This is a whole other aspect of it we're yet to even uh, really dive into. FIFA and MasterCard are working with Ripple here. What do you think? What really sticks out to the? What really sticks out to you about this news? Well, this is Futureverse, and I've had Aaron McDonald on my channel, and he is one of the co-founders. Um, this is an interesting project. This isn't their first round of funding. Uh, they they have a previous link also to Ripple. They have a long history with Ripple through Shara. And what I found interesting is that the round was led by Dan. Tapi tap, help me out with the last name. Tapitero? Tapiero? Tapiero. Isn't it Tapiero? Oh, I butcher every name, so I'm actually yeah, not. Okay. And, and <laughs> he's the wrong guy to ask for. But to be fair, I'm my name is Abdullah, and people butchered that my whole life. So I got a good I got a good excuse. Yeah, I love abs is always easy for me to remember. I think it's Tapiero. Um, he's got an interesting portfolio. He's got Certic, who is the leading security audit company that I just had on the channel as well. Kraken, Hyobi, TRM, which is a big analytic company that is a partner of Ripple. Ledger is also, they have Candy, which is uh, partnered with a Major League Baseball, Netflix, WWE. So here's my point. Um, Aaron and his brother are just doing phenomenal work in this space. They've rolled up already some 30 companies. Yep, FIFA is one of the star partners that they have. But what makes them different is they're leveraging AI. And so they're going, their, their philosophy is to have a lot of different, um, a lot going on, a lot of, a lot of different uh, um, ecosystems under one roof. And they're going to be utilizing AI in probably a way that is going to be the first in the industry. They're going to use XRP as a default gas token. I think you know that, right? If you don't know that, it's got a, it's got an integration in with the ledger. And, and I think if you really want to follow this project on social media, Mo Meta, Mo Meta is the person you want to follow. They, ha they already ha have a very big community that's very loyal. And there's just a lot of, there's a lot going on. I think we're going to see more and more and more with this, um, 
metaverse project, but what they want to do is for every user that is in their space, you don't get hooked up or or discouraged by being in a, a hard to use technology. They're going to make it as easy as possible to have fun and play and do a whole lot of different things with AI behind powering that that universe. So something that really catches my attention is I own an Oculus and I'm an endorser of Johnny Crypto is the one who actually got me to buy it. So I guess peer pressured into buying it. But what I noticed is that it's very difficult to stay engaged in the platform. And I'm wondering, as people begin to use the metaverse, is that going to be a big hurdle? Plugging some goggles, putting goggles on your face, it only goes so far. So I'm really wondering from your opinion, are you a big uh, endorser of the metaverse? Do you believe in the concept? Yeah, I'm, I don't. You don't need goggles to play in this space. You you can play without having goggles on, and and I think that um, you're going to find something under the roof that excites you, and so I, I it's it's not going to be a, a one a one solution thing for trying to fit for everybody. I think you're going to be able to basically find something in there that's interesting it's on the it's the root network which is really incredible to look at it's it's a substrate network that is fascinating the technology see for me the fa- the technology is fascinating but they don't want people to focus on the on the technology they want people to focus on having fun a little bit like gala does gala is all about the experience right right and, and when you ask me if I believe in the metaverse, I want to open up a karaoke box business inside uh, Expector. So, yeah, of course I, I believe in the metaverse because I think, I think you can have a lot of fun there. I mean, there's going to be some crazy stuff, I'm sure, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm looking forward to it. And, no, I'm not going to be in a metaverse that requires those goggles. That's, that's not my... That's Don't worry, Abs, right? as you're growing up in your future, your generation, they're just going to put a chip in the back of your head and you'll just be in the metaverse the whole time. So you won't have, <laughs> Don't to, have to hold me down to do that, Johnny. Don't <laughs> have to hold me down. Uh, it's all jokes, but I just want to see, do you have any other comments, Johnny? I, I do have a very exciting article to close. I do have a question. So this, this futureverse that you were talking about, Erie, are you saying you don't need the goggles so it's not a submersive environment? It's more of a 2D, something you do on your computer, on your screen? Or is there a version if people did want to put the goggles on? Yeah, you know, there's probably going to be a version in there. They're, they are providing that infrastructure as well for you mm-hmm. to be able to come in and build uh, in in their in their metaverse. So okay. that's that's where you're going to have a quite a selection, and they're going to have just phenomenal technology that's driving this. And I think with the money that they've received and the money that they are now going to get with this new round um you want to follow mo meta on twitter to stay on top of things he's he's got a youtube channel too i'm sorry i don't know it right off the top of my head but mo meta is the guy to follow in this space for staying on top of what this uh project is doing Ari, just tell me when you got to go because i've got topics for literally days i could keep you on here forever but i do want to get your thoughts on the fed now update and this was a really interesting find we got yesterday from mr man xrp on twitter another great account he's very consistent if you'd like xrp information check out mr man xrp on twitter he asked a an ai chatbot how does xrp interact with the fed now system according to recent reports the federal reserve has recognized the potential of xrp in facilitating the blockchain aspect of fed now XRP is the fastest and most scalable digital asset, enabling real-time global payments anywhere in the world. 
After a successful pilot program, the Federal Reserve decided to connect FedNow, their real-time payment system, to the XRP network. This integration allows FedNow to utilize Ripple's blockchain technology to process faster payments more effectively. This is just one of the benefits of using XRP and the XRPL. Now, Erie, this is an AI chatbot, so of course, it is not a fact. They are, they are programmed by human beings. This could easily be false information, but I did want to get your thoughts. We haven't got a chance to talk about FedNow. What are, what are some things that you find to be important, and is XRP involved at all? I'd love to hear your take. Yeah, well, there still needs to be that human element to verify, right? Right, right. right. <laughs> um, I, I think that on the domestic side, the RippleNet technology is probably one of the many products uh, in their suite. You know, it's not just a one, one solution item. They, they, there's, a, there's going to be a lot of different solutions in there. So I wouldn't be surprised if RippleNet is one of the solutions that is an option there. Do I think XRP is going to be used? Um, no. However, however, XRP is being used for treasury, right? So in a, in, a, in, a, in a very abstract way, if XRP is used in a bank's treasury, well, then you could say that it is being utilized to actually manage their overall operations or helping their overall operations. But is it actually being used as a as a bridge currency for domestic payments? No, because we're all in the same, we've got the same currency. So, right. so yeah, so could it be used in, a, in some sort of treasury function? Maybe, but that treasury function is actually a, a, a treasury that's being used for both domestic and international. But I think for, for the sake of just domestic payments, I would say that it, very possible. RippleNet is a solution as an option, but not XRP. I don't see it. And there you have it. You heard it here first on Good Morning Crypto. And Johnny, I know we got to end the show, but I just want to give you a chance. Any closing comments here? And thank you, Ari, for being here. No, I got to go to abs. I just want to say thank you, Crypto. It was great to see you. Uh, can't wait to see you again soon. And we will have some great partnership announcements with Merlin Abs. I can't wait to start announcing them soon. But it was great to see you and uh, a great show. Once again, great content. Good job, everybody. Ari, I want to give you a chance. Can you just remind all of our listeners, where can they find more of your content on Twitter, on YouTube? And then we'll close it out. Yeah. So it's Cento Sumo Saba. Cento is the hot springs. Uh, sumo is the sport. Osumo. And uh, Saba is one of the best, yummiest fish in sushi. So if it looks very strange to you, just break it up into those three words. Those are my favorite things to do in Japan is to soak in a hot spring, uh, watch a little sumo and eat some Saba. And then, of course, Crypto Eddie is just on, on YouTube. But yeah, I, I look forward to everybody um, also tuning into the BPM wallet, which is going to have their launch next week. And they are... There's a lot of people from, there's a lot of influencers going to this big launch. There's about 50 people, but there's Jeremy Hogan's going to be there. Um, King Solomon is going to be there. James Rule XRP is going to be there. Uh, there's, there's, a, there's a lot of people from the Genfinity group. So it's going to be fantastic. And I want everyone to keep their eye out because they have some announcements. And don't forget that there is Australia Gold Coast XRP meetup coming up in 2024 Ooh. yeah so Locked i think it's march march so there's just a lot going on in our space and just thanks so much guys for inviting me i i had fun i always have fun 
Thank you so much, Jerry. We always have fun as well. And of course, the invitation stands. You're always welcome back on our show. So I'm sure we'll have you back soon. Guys, we got 480 live listeners here. Show us some love. Smash that like button. Again, thank you to Crypto Air for making time for us. This Friday, we're going to have an XRP-centric episode as Jeremy Hogan is going to be joining the show. So I'm very excited for that episode. We'll see you guys in 72 hours. And like we always say, Warriors, ride! Get your shit together, baby. Thank you for joining us. Let's thank go. You, Jerry. 